Hi everyone, praise the Lord. My name is George and I'm very happy to be here today with you. Now, I know uh, if you've been following our, our YouTube, uh, the, previous, uh, the previous videos, you will realize that we have been doing the book of Philippians and we've done chapter 1 and chapter 2 and today I want us to continue with chapter 3 of Philippians. Wonderful letter by Paul to the Philippian church. And in fact, as, as, you, as you study it, you begin to uh, remember that Paul was in prison, but he was also very encouraged, okay? So let's continue from verse 1 uh, of chapter 3. Father, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is not trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Now, one of the things from that statement that we realize is that Paul, uh, this was not the only letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, but this is the only letter that we have in the Bible, okay? Because understand that the book of Philippians from chapter 1 to chapter 4, uh, in, in its original text, there were no chapters and there were no verses. So chapter 1 to 4 is one letter from beginning to end. But Paul gives us a preview or, or you know, something that maybe many of us did not know to say that he had written these same things before to the, Philippians, uh, the Philippian church. And so he calls them brothers and sisters and he says to them, rejoice in the Lord. He has and he uses the word brothers and sisters as a word of endearment, as a word of uh, being, uh, uh, you know, bringing people close to him. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So he says, it is not trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is no problem to have a repetition, he's saying. It, it is a safeguard for you. So he's, he's trying to explain to them that me writing again or repeating the same thing to you is a safeguard. It is beneficial for you. It is important for you, for me to repeat. And sometimes in life, we need to say things and repeat them again and again. And especially if it is things that have to do with the safeguarding of a people. That is why when you're talking to a child, you will find yourself repeating things until the child gets them. Because it is a safeguard for the child. And so he says, rejoice in the Lord. This is a man who is in prison. But he's telling them, rejoice. And we are to rejoice under all circumstances that we face in life. As much as and as long as you are in the Lord, then you are meant to rejoice in him. And, and what he's saying is that regardless of the circumstances that we are going through, regardless of the storms that you are facing, maybe you are going through economic difficulties, maybe you are going through a lot of challenges in your life, Remember, Paul is in prison and he's telling the Philippians to rejoice. And therefore, I urge you, my friends, to keep rejoicing under all circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, the joy that we have is not just out of the things we get. It is the joy that comes from the Lord. And when we have the joy of the Lord, then everything we face is not, uh, should not crush us. It is something that we should be rejoicing about because God brings greatness out of our troubles. 
And so he says, it is not trouble for me to write the same things to you again, for me to repeat things. It is a safeguard for you. Then he goes on now to write what he is repeating to the Philippians. And in verse 2 he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now let's pause there because we have to, to ask ourselves, why is it that Paul is addressing a group of people as dogs, as evildoers, and as mutilators of the flesh? We all know the role of dogs, especially in the Jewish culture. Now, I'm a dog lover. I love dogs. And, and I have some. And I know many of you are dog lovers. But when we talk about the culture and when you call someone a dog, it is, as if it is a word of insult. It is a word of degrading them. In fact, the Jewish men in the old times when they prayed, they used to say, Lord, thank you for not creating me as a woman, as a Gentile, or as a dog. That is what their view of dogs, okay? And so Paul comes out to say, watch out for those dogs. I remember statements that we make, and sometimes we pray and say, Lord, may our nation not go to the dogs, okay? And, and so what we mean by that statement is that may our nation not go to people who are not concerned about, our, about the, uh, the, 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 the needs of the people. So Paul says, watch out for those dogs. He's, he mentions them as dogs. Then he uses the word evildoers. These are people who do evil. They just love doing what is evil. And then he's, he calls them the mutilators of the flesh. People will not hesitate to mutilate your flesh. But then, verse 3, he continues to explain and says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Perfect. It is we who are the circumcision. In other words, there was a debate in the Philippian church. And this debate was all about circumcision. And one of the things that we can refer to is back in the book of Acts, when Paul and Peter begin to disagree in regards to circumcision. And, and when we also look at Peter, and when God sends him to the house of Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius and his house, and people begin to say that indeed the Holy Spirit has also come upon the Gentiles because Gentiles were never circumcised and the Jews thought that the Holy Spirit belonged to those of the circumcision. And so there's a debate here and people are placing their faith on circumcision. And they are saying, because I am circumcised, I am more born again than you are. And they are saying, because I am circumcised, I am more close to Jesus than you are. If you are not circumcised, then God, uh, you do not know God. And so some of the people of the circumcision felt they were closer to God than people who are not of the circumcision. And so Paul is saying, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those evildoers. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh, because this is what they are. And then he says, for it is we who are the circumcision. We are the Jews. We are circumcised. We serve God by his spirit. It is we who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, even though I have this circumcision, 
My confidence is not in my flesh. My confidence is not in the works I do. My confidence is not in this circumcision, Paul is saying. Though he explains and says, I have reasons for such confidence. But let's go back a little bit before you look at the reasons that Paul has. He says, do not put your confidence on the flesh. And you see, many times, even in our generation and in our time, we have been found to be putting a lot of effort on our flesh, on the works that we do. We want to be close to Jesus because we have done this. You have given to a church, therefore you feel you're closer to God. You have served in a church, therefore you feel you're closer to God. And we are putting our strength and our confidence on the flesh. And this has also been brought about by this teaching about the altar. Okay, and let me mention that because I believe that the altar that we must follow is the altar at the cross of Jesus Christ. But now you walk into many churches and they insist that there is power at the altar. What is supposed to be the pulpit or the stage of the platform of the church, they refer to it as an altar. Okay, And now they are deriving their strength from these altars instead of deriving their strength from the altar of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. And that is the only altar that has the power to destroy any, any other altar. We do not need to raise any altar in our time because Jesus already completed the raising of altars. We do not need to raise any other altar. When the witches raise their altars, it is because they don't have Jesus. It is because they don't have the cross. But we have the cross. We have Jesus. We have Calvary. And when we have the cross, all other altars bow before the cross of Jesus Christ. We should not put our confidence in the flesh. We should put our confidence in Christ Jesus. In him alone is our strength. And so Paul gives, uh, gives this uh, CV and he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more reason, he says. And then he gives his, uh, his achievements. And he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. In other words, this man was so brilliant in his walk of the flesh, he would have uh, uh, you know, depended on his flesh, but he did not. He, would have, he had the CV, the right CV. He had everything going for him. He had everything working for him. But he says, you know what? I do not put my strength on these things. I do not put my confidence or draw my strength from these things but I put my confidence in Jesus Christ, the only one who has my back. And so I want to say today to you, friends, your strength is not in your flesh. Your strength is not in your work. Your strength is not on the pulpit or the platform of your church. Your strength is in Christ Jesus. Any church that begins to insist that there is power on that platform is in error, in my view, because Jesus Christ has already died for us. He has already completed the work for us, the work of the flesh. He has already done it for us, and therefore we become born again, and we fight our battles by the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, and God bless you.